0: We've got the boats and screw the rest of you. And Dr. Kavita Patel.
1: These might be some of the smaller moments, you know, with all the bombshells. Didn't catch people's eyes. Hello and welcome to Words Matter from the DSR Network. Each week, Norm Ornstein and I will talk about the issues facing our country as we head into another election cycle and discuss what our leaders are saying and doing or not saying or doing about them. Today, we want to do kind of a a week recap, so to speak, actually, maybe more than a week. But uh, Norm, it sounds like you've been traveling, uh, doing some interesting things. Uh, How's your week been?
0: So we're just back from Chautauqua, which is the storybook place in upstate New York on this gorgeous lake. It goes back to just the post Civil War period. And they have nine weeks, uh, with themes with speakers. The theme this past week was, will the center hold? And, uh, so I, I spoke in front of, uh, Uh, pretty much 4,000 people in this wooden amphitheater that is an incredible space. Uh, And, uh, you know, at first I said, I could make this very quick. Uh, Will the center hold? No. And then we could all go on our way and find an open bar. Um, But we had a very good discussion, but one in which I talked a lot about our podcast. So I'm hoping, even as we're speaking, that some people who were there uh, at Chautauqua are tuning into us.
1: Can you share um, any other? Were there any other moments during either your session or maybe some of the other? Usually, I find these meetings interesting for side discussions. Uh, anything kind of surprising? You don't need to attribute any person's names to it if if that's uh, not appropriate. But but I would be curious. Like, did well, something surprise you? It's hard to surprise you, Norm. So uh, did uh, anything no. emerge? that we should let our listeners know about hopefully some of whom are at we're at the meeting
0: <clears throat> so uh you know i don't know if there was anything surprising people are deeply concerned as you might expect As, they should be.
1: Um, <laughs> as, they, as
0: they i would tell you the monday i i spoke on wednesday the money monday uh keynote lecturer was bill crystal okay and uh And I think Bill surprised them a little bit because, of course, he's now become uh, a never Trumper, um, but gave a good uh, talk with uh, some uh, history behind it. Um, But I I started with just a little story, which is about five years ago uh, or maybe a little more. I did Diane Reems radio show in the 10 o'clock hour. They do the, you know, substantive discussion. And then the 11 o'clock is uh, when she was doing it was a book. And when I came out of the studio, sitting there waiting to go on was Julie Andrews. So I went up to her and introduced myself and said, I I just need to thank you so much. And she said, why? And I said, well, from now on, I can say that I opened for Julie (laughs) Andrews. So... (laughs)
1: I, was, I thought you were going to say I opened for Mary Poppins, which might have been yeah. even cooler to, to, yeah. to you know, a, a cocktail party discussion, but still very cool.
0: <laughs> and then I said, and now I can say that Bill Crystal opened for me. So, um, but, you know, Chautauqua has uh, many thousands of people who come, some <laughs> for the entire season mm-hmm. with families, others for just uh, a week. And it's, it's got a range of people, although I think more of them are progressive than anything else so that they have a backlash. Some of the longtime, uh, ultra conservative residents want more people, not like Bill Kristol, but, uh, more like Tucker Carlson. Um, but, uh, you know, they strive mightily to get a, a range of, uh, of opinions and views. Um, but, I think what it represents for a group that you have to call an elite group, um, is people are nervous as hell about the state of the country and where we're going. And, uh, that is where they should be.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and so, uh, will the center hold, will, will the, will the democracy hold is probably what I would have refrained yeah. the session, as, yeah. which might've actually yeah. been like a, you know, a more probably reflective, actually, what you were and people were worried about. It is. Yeah.
0: It really is more about whether we're going to continue to have a political system that has any uh, relationship to what it's supposed to be. Well,
1: let's let's dive in. I know that uh, for our members only section, we may dive we may touch a little bit more on why there are growing signs that our democracy is increasingly fragile by the House and, uh, of course, by some of the I guess, ongoing, uh, I'll say, ignorance of uh, of the legal antics, legal things that uh, Donald Trump has been doing to circumvent his, what I feel like is inevitable inevitable incarceration yeah. in my mind. But but we, we'll touch on that in the members only section. Uh, we wanted to spend this, there were a lot of notable events. I like to kind of go through like the week's events, and there's certainly enough of them. I'll just say as a side note, the big event this week uh, on the There were a couple of like big health, reproductive justice-related things. While the state of Iowa signed a six-week abortion ban into place, the FDA went ahead and fully approved an over-the-counter birth control pill. Not, not, not to be confused with emergency contraception, which is already available over the counter. Not to be confused with medication abortions, which are available by prescription, but under Supreme Court kind of uh, court battles. Um, but over the counter birth control to prevent unintended pregnancies. Uh, now, one pill will soon be available over the counter, no prescription required, just like you and I would buy Tylenol, ibuprofen, cold medicine over the counter. So that was like a big, big kind of simultaneous within 24 hours. I was six week ban adding to the states that put together what I think are probably is, is for lack of a better term, essentially incredible, not just abortion restrictions, but, you know, increasing mat- maternal mortality, women will die from it. That's, that's not an overstatement. It's a fact. So I I think it's been a pretty noteworthy week um, on, on both counts and reproductive justice, but we also wanted to touch, and this is related is, is around some progress made on the economy, which To be fair to you, Norm, you brought this topic up as we were trying to think about what to talk about today, gets zero discussion, like zero discussion on the media. And I say media, including like, I think media that you and I participated, zero discussion. So maybe we can dive in. I've been pulling up some metrics from um, uh, the GAO. I've, I've I've got some like kind of economic indicators that we can just objectively report on so that We can describe like what's happening in the country. But Norm, can you offer for a moment just one, why does this not make news? Is it truly just because people are kind of tired of hearing about Bidenomics because he's out there stumping on it and it's just like something people don't want to listen to? What's what's going on while we also get some facts to support why you and I are making the case that the economy is not just improving but a lot of the things we've spoken about that Biden has done have actually significantly, they are the drivers of that improvement.
0: So uh, I I can't resist Kavita, since you brought up the reproductive justice issues, a a little mini rant on that front that watching what happened in Iowa first, uh, you know, we are going to, we're moving rapidly towards uh, two universes and the concept of equal justice under the law is frayed almost beyond belief. I was talking with somebody at Chautauqua about the heroic efforts that Planned Parenthood is making, including, in some cases, mobile vans right. just over the border. For example, in, uh, in Illinois, where people from Missouri can go uh, and be able to get their reproductive freedom um what we also uh, expect is that uh the quote unquote and it has to be put in quotes pro life movement is likely to react very strongly against the over the counter birth control pill because this is not about preventing abortions so much as it is punishing people who have sex uh and uh it, it's it's just uh farcical but also deeply disturbing now on the economy. um, You know, we have several phenomena here. One is in a tribalized world where people look at COVID through completely different lenses. They also look at the economy through completely different lenses. So you have Republicans who wax about how wonderful the economy was under Donald Trump. And the fact is, in the last year of Trump, the last two years of Trump, In part, of course, because of COVID. But the reaction to COVID was as much because of Trump's uh, deadly mishandling of how to deal with the virus that caused perhaps a half a million unnecessary deaths, that also was a blow to the economy. But they think the economy was great. And now, no matter what happens, they're going to think the economy sucks because it's Biden's economy. So there is a difference there. But what's also true is that you don't even have among Democrats and independents, the exaltation that ought to be there with especially this latest news. I mean, we saw uh, unemployment drop to historically low levels. And as that happened, real wages, uh, meaning uh, wages after inflation have grown some. But the price we paid for that over the last year was a surge in inflation and the Fed dealt with that by increasing interest rates, but almost miraculously, inflation has dropped to 3%. That's still a percent higher than the uh, target, but it's very different uh, than 9%. We still have low unemployment, we have economic growth, and we have real wage growth. This is all terrific news, and it's rare that you have all of that coming together in an economy and if you look at it in relation to the global economy we're going gangbusters while others are still moving along puttering along slowly but i think a, a few things happen the first is the whole frame of the news media is the news means bad news yeah good news does not get the same attention and indeed when you get good news it's almost always tempered with yes but so that's a part of it another part of it is that just the psychology of people. If you go to the pump, for example, when gas prices go up by 25 percent uh, cents or 50 cents a gallon, boy, you notice it. But when they come back down, you don't notice it as much. And that's true of a lot of the prices out there. And just on a day-to-day basis, people don't feel it in the same way. At the same time, we know in terms of psychology that over and over what we find is if you ask people if they're doing all right in their daily lives, you'll get many, many positive uh, responses. But if you ask them how the country is doing, you get those negative uh, responses. They don't translate what's good for them into necessarily what it means for the rest of the country. And all of that is a challenge for Biden. Obviously, it would be a much bigger challenge if the economy were floundering or if we had stagflation uh, but he's not getting credit for the good stuff that's happening out there, and we see that reflected in the broader economy. So too. I
1: brought up a couple of like just just to your point about prices, kind of inflation indicators, and you're absolutely correct. I wanted to just kind of talk about like average prices of gas have also has decreased, different variability across the country, but the average. Per gallon price of gasoline has decreased as much as a dollar fifty seven in parts in many parts of the country. Certainly, I we you and I see this in the mid Atlantic norm. There's already been like a relaxation of some of the um, kind of rising inflation indicators. In fact, there's reversing in those trends. The GDP is expanding, and people are. And then just something that I was trying to find the precise numbers, but you know, if you recall that. Um, I think the like kind of great resignation that we saw both like during COVID and this kind of ongoing, especially amongst women that we're starting to see kind of not just back to pre-COVID levels, but we're seeing a bit of a surge, especially in certain sectors. I call that out because um, this is a kind of a low wage market where we see some of the like growth that's like double, double digits, which makes sense as things have been open like restaurants and places that rely on lower wage workers. Um, however, anyway, so th- just just to kind of point out, but something that I will say psychologically that was fascinating to me about what you said is that you you will recall. I mean, the midterms where we thought we'd see this red wave and we didn't have that. The economy. I could make the argument was worse then even though Biden had done quite a bit on the policy front but you and I know that sometimes that takes just some yeah. time to to kind of mature through the country. So is it is it it does then point to the fact that there's a psychology there, right? They needed I think we needed Biden in the 2020 election. I think we really needed that like I hate to say it, but I think he's been called, you know, the optimist in chief. You know, I think that's exactly right. Like we needed a lot of that for right sizing and course correcting some of the destructive things that were done in the Trump administration. And then the midterms would beg to argue that maybe, and this is what I wonder. So I ask you this, do economics... One, people don't want to hear good news, or at least it doesn't res- it doesn't register as much as the bad news does. That's That's a psychological phenomenon that we know, even without proof we, we have proof of that. But how much is the economy weighing in kind of um, the the actual economy weighing in elections? So is it that psychology and that perception? And is that making a difference for voters either coming out to vote? Or is it some of the other things you and I have spoken about? That it's the reproductive rights. It's I'm just curious. Like when when you and I when you've been working with presidential candidates in the past, we always think of like the economy and healthcare. At least for me, healthcare is always one of the top three topics, right? And, And the economy is usually number one. Are we seeing something shift because of what you started with with the conversation in Chautauqua? With you know, will the center hold, or really is it the democracy holding? Has that shifted also the role of the economy and how people think about the impact on elections or their motivation for elections?
0: You know, it's interesting, Kavita, when uh, you ask in in reputable surveys, what are the top issues Mm -hmm. that you care about? For for Democrats, they're guns and climate. For Republicans, it's the economy and the border. Yeah. But the Republicans on the economy and deficits, they say, although obviously they're <laughs> responsible for uh, more on the deficit front than anybody else. But when they say the economy, that doesn't mean that they're gonna reflect their concerns in terms of support for a good economy. Um, so I think, you know, what uh presidential candidates have to do is, recognize that uh, having a good economy is huge, because if you had a lousy economy, you would suffer across the board. But it's not going to be your stepping stone to victory. It is a necessary but not sufficient condition to motivate voters, including your own voters. Now, I think we're going to have sizable motivation for uh, voters because of the aftermath of the Dobbs decision that continues to resonate. And I suspect we're also going to see at least some, uh, uh, you know, enthusiasm among Democrats because of the backlash against this absolutely brutal attack on LGBTQ and trans people, um, that may make a difference, at least in getting some of the younger voters, uh, out. Um, and the, the, uh, Reproductive rights issue is going to help Democrats because it should bring over a significant number of uh, Republicans, not just women, but highly educated suburban uh, voters. But, you know, getting that motivation up there is still a difficult thing to do. And Republicans find ways to uh, incite anger in their own voters uh, that bring them... Uh, out to the polls, and then they've got voter suppression. So Democrats have a heavy lift. I, I have to say one more thing about uh, my discussions at Chautauqua. Admittedly anecdotal, but I see this a lot. Wherever I go, I get questions about Kamala Harris.
1: Oh yes, I I'd be I, I would be. I was actually about to ask you: Did her name come up much? Okay, good. This is a good topic. I,
0: it, it it comes up uh, simultaneously. Huh. Her. Uh, among core Democrats, um, she's not in great shape, and it's a reflection, I think, of uh, you know the the inability in the first two years to gain traction or a name uh, or a reputation, which is always tough for a vice president. But I think, and I think there's a recognition of that in the White House, and they're now. Uh, trying to showcase her more in terms of her commitment on issues. Uh, but uh, it's a it's a problem, and it's not something that I have to tease out of people. It gets raised, yeah, by them. Uh, you know, and it is, can he find another uh, vice president? Uh, is she up to the job? There's an awful lot of that. Uh, so she's got uh, some work to do.
1: Well, just, uh, it's, it's interesting because on this kind of Bidenomics, uh, tour that he's trying to, you know, which he should, this is all the reasons I think it's, uh, but I do think just, just hearing you and reflecting on like what we know that, you know, prices are coming down, especially in like some of the kind of incredible pain point areas, groceries, um, prices of meat, gas, et cetera. However, it's true. I mean, I don't think that Joe Biden is gonna convince like Republicans who are never gonna vote for him to vote for him based on these economic improvements to the reasons you're saying. And maybe it's actually a miscalculation to kind of kinda of go out there with the Biden economics and meanwhile it feels like, you know, books are being banned, you know, to, to your point, LGBTQ rights are just not being disintegrated, they're just being outright reversed. And then number and then reproductive justice, it does feel at times like what's going on? You know, is there a little bit of like, you know, cognitive dissonance, like in the West wing around, I I don't think there is. I just think that there is like only um, I, I will say I am always a little disappointed because in my mind, there's always more somebody can do even if it's at least just symbolic with executive orders. We know that that's not kind of foolproof, but you and I just spent last week's podcast talking about a number of things. The administration should be doing, that are very detail oriented to just protect our like actual like career, um, civil servants. And certainly those are all things that I, I do think voters in the big scheme of things might find compelling. So it'll be, and then on top of that, when is he going to have, when are we going to start to see the Biden Harris signs? It's usually about now when we start to see a little bit of like the, you know, turning of the, like, getting the vice president and president kind of out there on the stump for very kind of select things together. I haven't seen any of that. And I know that she is gonna be the vice presidential um she is gonna be yeah. the nominee on the ticket. But you wouldn't yep. know it based on kind of and they they even have obviously an entire campaign staff that is just like they've got by you know Julie Rodriguez running the Biden reelection. They've they've got an entire staff for the vice president for the same thing, but again, what 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 are we seeing coming out of it? What is the strategy and agenda? I couldn't even tell you. And if you and I do, if I don't know, I mean, sure as heck, I don't. Yeah, think most people know.
0: That's for sure. And you know, we can uh, talk about. Uh, Harris's stumbles in the first year. And uh, th- it's interesting. This is something that uh, I, I had a lively discussion with uh, uh, people that, um, well, you know, he, he, she never got any good uh, issues to deal with and, you know, from the White House. And my response to that was, you want to have the toughest issues. That's how you show people that you are up to the job. And that, you know, she was given the border and democracy in the early portfolios. And uh, I think because a staff said, oh, no, you're not going to the border, that's deadly, that she missed an enormous opportunity. If she had gone to the border early on, met with families that had been separated from their children, met with Venezuelans who went through a 1,500-mile arduous and uh, potentially deadly journey to escape the left-wing dictatorship of Maduro, and talked about how Republicans, instead of applauding them, wanted oh. to uh, either send them back or kidnap them and send them to Martha's Vineyard. Right. Um, if she had gone to the geo-group's private prisons that basically what we've used to house migrants, right. and talked about the horrific conditions. I think she could have turned the uh, immigration and border issue around. And instead it was, oh my God, I'm not taking that on. And the same with democracy. Instead of focusing early on and making uh, it her imprint that the, the threats to democracy at home. So now there's an opportunity, I think, because there will be more of a spotlight on her to shine, to show why she was chosen in the first place what she's got, her background, her experience, um, her role as a former prosecutor, as a woman with reproductive rights, um, as uh, a woman of color, uh, all of those things. And I I think, you know, the people, uh, as you and I know, the people who run politics in the White House and on the campaign are as sophisticated as they come. They know all this, and one hopes that they will now work on ways to showcase her, because it's, I get asked all the time as well, well, do you think he's going to lose votes because she's the running mate? And my response in general is, uh, no, running mates don't, you know, people don't vote on the basis of number two, and uh, I get pushback, and then I say, okay, here's your limiting case, Dan Quayle. (laughs) Did anybody vote against George <laughs> Herbert Walker Bush because Dan Quayle was the running mate? I mean, I was at that Republican convention in Houston oh when when uh, when Bush chose Quayle, and I was with I was with bedrock rock ribbed Republicans, many of whom knew Bush and had worked with Bush, who said, "I cannot vote for him if he's going to pick this guy." But of course, they ended up working night and day for him, but. When you're dealing with a president who's 82 uh, going into the campaign, um, you know it's it's something they're going to have to deal with uh, frontally. Yeah.
1: That's no, I I will be honest. I'm I chuckling because uh, I, I I actually I remember that convention and I remember thinking, wait a minute, what. Who is Dan Quayle? Why are we? Wh- who, yeah. What is happening now? And uh, I remember at the time thinking, "Wow, the Republican bench—or is that shallow that they couldn't find anyone?" And now I'm sitting there reflecting, thinking, "You know, I would have gladly have taken maybe a Dan Quayle president uh, in 2016." So let's uh, let's let. So it's just very funny. You're right. Yeah. I do I do think the issue is the age and gets back to things that we've spoken about before about people just want like honesty like there is nobody that with a straight face would that would I would be doing a disservice to every patient I saw if I said 82 you've got decades in front of you and don't worry about it you know I I I would be lying and it would just be irresponsible so I do think that there's a very pragmatic concern having said that I agree I don't think that um going back to one of our earliest podcasts where we talked about like what kind ch- of quote unquote changes voters. It's less about f- kind of changing um, someone who voted for Republicans to vote for a Democrat or maybe, and less also about a Democrat who then says, I don't want to vote for Kamala Harris and I switch and vote for someone else and more about just, they don't come out and vote because they're unenthusiastic about it. And that's what I worry about that, that potential. That's could uh,
0: you're exactly, you're exactly right. It's not, uh, not Democrats, uh, or independents who will say, I simply uh, will have to vote for somebody else. It's, eh, I don't like the choices. I'll stay home. Yeah,
1: exactly. So let's close with, uh, let me give a little bit more on a more precise, I, I pulled up some other kind of just inflation indices Wages have grown faster than inflation for four straight months, which is always like one to get once again a sign that inflation is cooling off and that wages, just like I mentioned with um, actual people entering into jobs with the Great Resignation also feeling behind us, um, average hourly re- earnings rose 0.4% from May to June, outpacing inflation yet again by 0.2%. And this was this is all from the bureau of labor and statistics the most reliable source of where you can find information so it's it's exactly when you talk to economists it's exactly the kind of mix you want to see you want to see inflation kind of receding and then the job growth and wage growth going back some places where it still has not caught up we're going to put aside student debt for a second because that was something that the um the supreme court and and others put a put an incredible you know wrench into but In terms of rent, rent has not necessarily... So rent is still rising and is still kind of a housing cost, I would say, in general, has been kind of a driver of inflation continuing... We think that that could end up, um, coming down, but the problem with rent, because people usually sign kind of longer term leases. So that fixes in the prices. You won't see those improvements until a lot later than you will. Things like the price of meat, the price of a used car, the price of gas, that type of thing. Um, and then people talk a lot about core inflation and I just, this is my, my, my economics 101. So, uh, Norm, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, People also kind of fixate or you hear a lot of like uh, policy folks and wonks talk about core inflation, where you actually try to like kind of strip away things that might be more volatile, like the price of energy or sometimes the price of food. But even in the core inflation, that kind of narrow area, um, that that's also like gotten much less, the growth in core inflation has decreased. So let me say it another way that the core inflation rate only rose like a fraction of a percent, like 0.2%, which is its smallest growth since 2021, which means that some of these things that people are doing are actually working. Even when you pour, take away things that I think actually matter to many Americans, like food and energy, um, that, that, that even then it's still improving. So, uh, And then a reminder of where we were a year ago, inflation was at 9.1%. So I just want to like kind of, I I, I appreciate that uh, you wanted to raise this topic. Um, and then I'll also point out some other bright spots, airfares down 8.1%. And then remember how hard it was, I do, to get like a chair or um, any piece of furniture during the pandemic. Well, household furnishings and goods have also decreased in price 0.1% on average. But supply and availability has also increased across the country uh, approximately 17%. So meaning we actually have more choices. And with those choices, we should start to continue to see price decreases. So I will, um, I will let you have the last word, but it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see like kind of what the Fed does, right? The Fed paused on, on making any drastic changes as they had been increasing interest rates. And I think, you won't see the Federal Reserve, or at least this Federal Reserve, in my mind, will not say, victory, accomplished, um, likely because of what I had just mentioned about some of those indicators, core inflation, uh, housing, et cetera, not necessarily coming down as much as probably the Fed would like to see. But the Fed is going to um, look at that BLS data that I cited, and they're probably going to say, you know, hey, let's let's just kind of continue to watch this and maybe not make any drastic changes so they'll. It, it would be interesting to see kind of where um, the Fed goes with any future rate hikes and then also all the other central banks and, and some of our EU colleagues. So that's those are, I think, where I would wrap up our pod and say this is like great evidence that the economy is basically on like a, not just a path to improvement, but like a resiliency that we haven't seen since before COVID. Yeah.
0: So, you know, a couple of points. First is the Fed is still very important here. Yes. And if they continue on a path of no matter what raising interest rates and do two or three more hikes, that's a danger that we could slip uh, into a recession or at least a foundering economy at a bad time. Uh, it, what makes more sense would be to say now, okay, we've seen this great news. Let's look and see if it continues for another couple of months. And then we'll make a decision. And one hopes that's what will happen. The other thing is, if you if you just think of Economics 101, we had like $4 trillion uh, allocated for COVID relief, safety net protection, uh, infrastructure, all through uh, the first uh, two and a half years of the Biden administration. And... If you think about that, um, you would say, oh, my God, that's going to lead to rampant inflation. And that we've had all of that and have inflation down now to 3%, even though, as you say, for a lot of working people, there's still elements that you know are tough for them. Um, it doesn't fit the traditional models. But it's worked, yeah. and you know, enormous credit has to go to the Biden administration for that. Yeah. Even if a whole lot of uh, voters aren't giving the credit where credit is due.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, and and it's nice to back these things up with statistics. It's, uh, it's yeah. which I think it's hard to look. I'll be honest; like, I would not. Tell any candidate, presidential candidate, let's go out there with like charts and graphs and that type of thing. But I think that it's actually doing all of the above. It's almost like you have to. It's like the table stakes are such that the entry ticket is yes, the economy is improving, and what else are you doing for me, Joe Biden? And that's really where probably most Democrats are at right now. And. We'll continue to monitor this because uh, I think you're raising a valuable topic that this is just not getting enough media coverage. It should prompt um, listeners to tell us like what's happening in their kind of local communities. Do they see any of these improvements? Are they still feeling um, like many of my friends are still like, I don't know, I can't get too optimistic because it does feel like to your point, Norm, that there could be um, just one more like change. And then it feels like it slips from under us. So I do think that It'd be great to hear from listeners, see what's, see what's challenging them. Let us know. And I want to thank everyone for joining us. And if you can share this podcast, maybe there are some folks from Chautauqua that uh, are new listeners. Welcome, share this with your friends on social media. And if you'd like to please join our member network, it's less than the cost of a latte, unfortunately does feel like it continues to go up or either the ones I'm ordering are just bigger. And that might be it actually. So I do feel like for the cost of a great cup of uh, a, great cappuccino a monthly membership uh, will get you special access across kind of the dsr network and some fun segments like the one we're going to talk about next and i want to thank our incredible team the executive producer of the network is chris cutmore and our producer is the great riley fessler they do a great little podcast on like kind of a DSR daily update. Uh, Is it daily? It's it's I, I I download it. It automatically downloads. (laughs) I don't know if it's daily, but I listen to it almost daily where they do a little kind of brief, like what's happened. I think it's maybe weekly. Anyway, they do a brief update podcast on what's happening, foreign events, domestic, and they always throw in something fun. Uh, And they reminded me about the upcoming Barbie movie, something I probably mentally blocked, but if Riley and Chris are excited about it, i may I may have to get excited about it. But our next episode of Words Matter will be in your podcast feeds um, around july twenty first and talk to you then.